If you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to open it with me uh, to the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 28, is where we will find a home this morning, Matthew 28. Uh, very excited to preach this message to you today. It's a passage that is near and dear to me. In fact, this is one of uh, what I would call like my life passages. Some of you may have a life verse, but for me, I cannot ever limit it to one verse. And there are several passages that for me, I'm extremely passionate about, and I claim them as my favorite, and this is certainly among those. Well, as we acknowledged earlier, this is a big week for a, a lot of people in the room, and uh, I know that some of you even started last week, some of our teachers, and uh, I know my kids actually started school last week, and as we kind of return to uh, this new season, it's new, but it's also familiar, but this is just kind of a transitory time for us in our lives as we go into what we usually call the fall semester, and I think there are certain times of year that just kind of lend themselves to a reset moment. And I feel like this is one of those in our lives, whether, again, whether you're homeschooling, whether all, a lot of our rhythms revolve around the beginning of school. So, so this is kind of a moment for us where we have a, a season of establishing new rhythms, new routines. We're kind of figuring out what life is going to look like as we head into the fall. And while we're in this time, I just thought it would be wise for us to just kind of take a day to remind us what our lives are really to be all about. Because here's what's pretty awesome when you stop and think about the reality of what we're doing here. A Crossroad Church is not a building. A Crossroad Church is not even a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Well, it actually technically is, but it's not. Okay, so follow. some of you are like, wait a second, this sounds shady. But Crossroad Church is not a location, it's not just a gathering. Our church is a people. You are indeed the church. I remember one of the most like clickbait emails that I ever sent you, which I always love doing that, right? Like when I send my normal one, like things happening at the church, like 30% of them open it. And then when it's like reasons I'm quitting, like 80% of people open it. And I'm like, ah, gotcha. You read your email this time. But one of the most clickbait titles I ever did was our church is going multi-campus. Do you remember opening that one? You were like, wait a second, we're one of those churches now, right? And when you opened it, what you discovered is this reality, that our church's footprint is way bigger than 2139 South Mays Road. Where you go, the church goes. Where you go, Crossroad Church goes. So in that sense, we really have campuses in Valley Center and Goddard and Conway Springs and Whitewater, Clearwater, all the other waters like north, south, east, and west. We have campuses at Coke Industries. We have campuses at Spirit and Textron. We have campuses at Wichita State University, at Newman, and at Friends. We have campuses in our Wichita School District, in Mays, and Goddard, and Hayesville, and beyond. You are the church, and because that's true, you need to understand our church has a massive footprint in our city and beyond. And I don't think you realize this. People are always like, like how many people go to your church? That's a dumb way to try to count how big your church is. Can I tell you how I want to measure Crossroad Church is what is our impact beyond our church? 
And can I tell you that when I preach a message to the, you know, 400 some odd people that will be here on a Sunday morning across our two services, can, can I tell you that what I'm doing, I'm preaching a message that I know is going to impact literally thousands of people that week because you take that message and live it out in the context of everywhere you go. And in doing that, the church goes and changes things dramatically. So my prayer today is that, church, we would wake up to the reality of who we are and what it means to be the church. That's why we're calling this week Launch Sunday. And I pray that as we leave here in a little while, we will literally be launching you, launching our church into the pockets of our city, our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, to intentionally fulfill the mission of God. And we find that mission here in Matthew 28. So let's read this passage together, starting in verse 18, then we'll pray and dive into our text together. The Word of God says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Y'all pray with me. Let's ask for the Lord's help as we study his word. God, would you impress your truth upon our hearts in a real and tangible way today? God, and I do pray that you would wake us up to the reality of what it means to be your church in the, the spheres of influence in which you have placed each and every person under the sound of my voice right now. God, I thank you for what you're gonna do. We give this time to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we find here in this passage what is referred to, if you have a church background, as the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. He has walked with his disciples some 40 days. I think a lot of times we don't think about that, but Jesus really died, was really put in the tomb, the, the stone rolled away. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and he hung out for about 40 days, walking around with his disciples. First uh, Corinthians tells us that he even showed up to like 500 people, uh, and I, I love that because Paul's like, if you don't really believe he rose from the dead, go ask like that 500 people who saw him and interacted with him so he has walked with them for this season but now he is about to ascend into heaven and what we have recorded here are really the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before ascending into heaven now you need to just understand what I'm saying very clearly there are no words that Jesus said that are more important than others can I just make that clear there is no word wasted out of the mouth of Jesus Christ but there is something to the fact that this is the last thing that he said before he ascended into heaven. Like some, you know, famous last words, if you will, right? Like this is powerful, and he knew that it would be given special attention from his hearers then and to us a couple thousand years later. So he says this great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the call of Christ for his church to make disciples of all nations. That word nations literally is ethne, where we get the word ethnicities from. 
to make disciples of every tribe, nation, and tongue. So, so listen, churches are always coming up with mission statements and all that, and I think that the Lord is probably like, that's cute, right? Uh, and I'm not bashing on that. Like, we have a mission statement and a vision statement, so we go hard here at Crossroad, right? But So I'm not making fun of that, but can I tell you, this is the mission statement of Jesus Christ for his church given to us right here in the Scriptures. And his mission, his heartbeat for the local church is this. Go and make disciples everywhere, all peoples. So I know this is intense right out of the gate, but we're early in this message, but I need you to really just ask yourself this question this morning. Is the Great Commission your life's mission? I've heard it said that the Great Commission has been treated by most Christians as the Great Suggestion. Or perhaps, as one pastor noted, maybe we should just start calling it the great omission. Because it's so easy to find ourselves just living for our mission, for our own lives, instead of living for the mission of Jesus. But today, in this season of transition, God is inviting us today to live for something way bigger than ourselves. Your life is way bigger than you realize, friends. God has a purpose for you that is way bigger than that day job that you feel like you're stuck in. God's mission for you is so much bigger than that. And he's inviting us today to give our lives for the mission of Jesus. Pastor Robbie Gallaty says it this way. I've shared this with you before. The gospel came to you because it was heading to somebody else. The gospel came to you because it was heading to somebody else. Some of you need to hear this today. Did you know that you weren't the end game of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like, it's not like you got saved and all of heaven rejoiced and said, we did it, mission accomplished. Now, certainly the Bible says that there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who's come home, and we praise God for that. But can I tell you why they're rejoicing in heaven? Because the gospel is going to continue to move on. The gospel came to you because it was heading to somebody else. Jesus saved you so that you could be enlisted into his mission. You were not saved to sit. You were saved to serve. And the way we serve is by living the Great Commission spending your life to make disciples of Jesus. Here's what I love about this passage. Not only do we see this bold, clear command to make disciples, but Jesus gets very practical in how we actually do that. How do we make disciples? Well, first, we need to define what we're talking about here. What is a disciple? Well, a disciple is simply a learner or a follower. Last week, I had the rare privilege of like sitting in here when a sermon was being preached. And if you're wondering, no, I don't like it. I'd rather be preaching all the time because I love to preach. I didn't boo Derek or anything. It's fine. Y'all can. It's... But as I was sitting there, I was sitting with my family, and it is a very, indeed a very rare occasion for me to get to sit with my family while the word of God is being preached. And I was sitting there and I had my leg propped up on my knee and had a little kind of go, you know, my to-go Bible, I call it with me, sitting there across my leg. And I looked over three seats down and my three-year-old son had secured his sister's Bible, had put his leg up on his knee and had the Bible sitting there and was kind of looking over like this to make sure he was doing everything just right like his daddy was doing. Oh, it hit me in the feels, guys. <laughs> In a very real way, he is my disciple. He is following and modeling his life after his dad. 
Don't ask what he says when cars cut us off on the highway, okay? <laughs> I've been watching you. <laughs> like, not good, not good. But when we talk disciple in the context of the local church, we're not talking about just modeling our life after Christ. We are talking about someone who has intentionally set their hearts and minds on Christ and that their whole life is dedicated to Christ and his call. This is what it means for us to be a disciple. So the first big question that we really need to wrestle with this morning is simply this, am I a disciple? Are you all in today? Have you had a moment where you said to Jesus, my life is yours? As we say so often here at Crossroads, salvation is not the end point of the Christian life. Friends, it's the starting block. So the question is, are you living your life as a disciple today? Some of you may be here this morning and you are not living as a disciple because you've never even given your life to Jesus. But I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you so much that even though you are a sinner, the Bible says all of us have sinned, and because of our sin, we are separated from God. And the reality is, even though you have sinned against God and you are living your own way, God loves you enough that he knew you would be here in this moment to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that even though we are great sinners, we have a great Savior who came and died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again, victorious over sin and death, and all who call on him and ask him to be their Savior and Lord, in that very moment, you become, go from a sinner to a disciple. In that very moment, you go from living for your own way to being called and saved not only from an eternity in hell, but saved to the mission of God, this great commission that we're studying together today. So to make disciples, you need to be a disciple. But Jesus is very clear as he explains to us what this process actually looks like to make disciples. The first thing we see in this text is a call to evangelism. Evangelism. Verse 19 says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, friends, this is so important. When you look at the whole counsel of Scripture, it is abundantly clear, baptism does not save you. I need you to hear me say that. It's always concerning to me as your pastor when I ask about your experience of coming to saving faith in Christ, and the first thing that someone says is, well, I got baptized when I was fill in the blank. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not talking about when you got baptized. I'm asking when you gave your life to Christ. Because if you didn't give your life to Christ, can I tell you what you did? You played in the water. You didn't get baptized. Scripture is clear. Baptism follows salvation. It, was, it is an outward symbol of an inward transformation that has happened in your life. But nonetheless, baptism is important. We've talked about that many times here. If you have given your life to Christ and have not followed Christ in obedience to baptism, we need to have a conversation about that, friends. So baptism follows salvation, but in this text, when Jesus says baptize people, what he's saying is that we should be evangelizing so that people are coming to Christ and then being baptized. So this is a call to evangelism. The word evangelism simply means sharing the good news of Jesus. You need to hear me say this. If you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is your call. 
I think the modern church has done such a disservice by making this the job of professional ministers. Like when you read the scriptures, you don't see them like bringing friends. You, see, do, you do see friends bringing other friends to who? Jesus, right? But you don't see them in the book of Acts like saying, hey, hey, Paul, 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 this is my friend. He needs to get saved. Uh, preach a good sermon so they'll give their life to Christ. No, what you see is the apostles investing their lives, pouring their lives into the church so that then the church can go and tell people about Jesus. As Ephesians 4 puts it, the role of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Hey, guess what? Y'all just got upgraded to saints. How about that? If you are in Christ, you are called saint by the Lord, and your job is to go and take the gospel everywhere you go. Let me just ask you a question that I want you to answer inside your heart and your mind. I always have to say that because I've always got some friends who are like, I'm ready, let's go. Answer out loud. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? Like, when, when was the last time that you shared your faith with someone? I, I think we've all bought into this lie that faith is a super personal thing that we shouldn't talk about with one another. But guys, I want to tell y'all, that is simply not biblical. It might be very American, and it might even culturally be the correct thing to do by not talking about that, but it is not the way of Jesus. And here's what's wild to me, y'all. Like, you will put political signs on your car and in your yard, and like, I, I'm already dreading 2024, but some of y'all are going to have your pom-poms up in the air, like doing cartwheels for your candidate. Uh, and, and here's what's messed up. Some of you will be hoping you make the other side mad. That's another sermon we need to talk about later, right? But you don't mind doing that, even if it may offend people. It just needs to be said. Yet the same people who do that will be like, well, I mean, this, yeah, faith is just a really personal thing. I, I don't think we need to talk about that. Like, you have your faith, I have my faith. Y'all, what are we doing? How messed up are our priorities? Being on mission means telling people about Jesus. And listen, you don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to be a theologian. The, the starting point is simply talking about Jesus and what he's done in your life. And, and if Jesus is not a part of your life and you can't talk about what Jesus is doing in your life, are you saved? Are you a Christian? I mean, some of you need to really ask that. Like if I said, what is the Lord doing in your life and you don't have an answer, you might just be a church-going person, not a saved person. What is Jesus doing in your life? And you should naturally be talking about that. Yet I know this because I'm a preacher and anytime I bring up the Lord in conversations, people get like weird. And you're church people. You know I'm the preacher. And when I do it, you're like, he went there. Like, I, I mean, I, you know, people are always trying to normalize things on social media. Can we normalize talking about Jesus? I mean, come on. I know you talk about what you're passionate about. Because, man, I've been here long enough now, like, I know what a lot of you are passionate about. I know what music you enjoy. I know what wretched sports teams a bunch of you cheer for. 
I like I will freak your grandkids out when they come to visit because I'm like hey how's college and they're like how do you know about me I'm like because your grandma talks about you the things we're passionate about we naturally like we can't shut up about the things we're passionate about if we're being honest so my question is why aren't we talking about Jesus why do we get weird when it's time to talk about the Lord Oh, I, I want to know the Lord. I want to have a walk with the Lord that is so real that you can't spend any time with me without knowing that he's a big part of my life. Just like if you spend much time with me, you're going to hear stories about those knucklehead kids that the Lord's given me. You're going to hear about what a difficult husband I am for my wife to manage. You know that. It's just what I talk about. It's a, the biggest part of my life, really. Outside, And you're probably going to find out I'm a pastor because I love this church and I love serving this church. I love you. Oh, but I want to walk with Jesus in such a way that people don't walk away saying, that dude's a pastor. He's a dad. He's a, I want people to know he loves Jesus. And that's not just because I'm the preacher. That's because I'm a disciple. Listen, if we really believe what we say we believe, that those who don't know Jesus will spend an eternity in hell separated from God, then listen to me. Love and compassion should lead us to being absolutely radical about evangelism. We can't afford to be quiet around our schoolmates. We can't afford to not tell our family members about Jesus, to not speak up to our neighbors and our coworkers about the Lord. Friends, the time is now to speak up and speak out about a savior that has changed your life and has the ability to change others because here's what's crazy to me some of you are the only way that the people in your life are ever going to hear about jesus here's what i mean by that thousands and thousands upon thousands tens of thousands of people in this city are never going to step foot in crossroad church oh but church our plan today is to launch you out to them. And some of you are the only exposure that people will have to Jesus. So do they have the chance to meet him? I pray that they would. Now to this point, some of you may think, okay, this is kind of the run-of-the-mill message. We should love Jesus and share Jesus. This, you know, about once a quarter, Pastor Rusty preaches this message. But it doesn't stop there. I want you to see this in the text. Not only do we see this call to evangelize, but we see this call to discipleship. Look at the second part of verse 19. It says, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Sorry, that's verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All of it. Y'all, I think this is one of the big blind spots of the modern church. And, you know, the Protestant world, we are known as, quote-unquote, evangelicals, right? So kind of our bit is that we are evangelical. We want to evangelize, and we want to see people come to faith. And can I just tell you, my whole life I've seen this. Somebody gets saved, and we're like, let's go. Like, if that happens this morning, you need to know, not only are they going to be celebrating in heaven, we're going to have a party up in here today if you give your life to Christ. We're going to be pumped. And then we're going to baptize you, and we're going to celebrate when we baptize you. But can I tell you, for 35, almost 36 years of my life, here's what happens when that's over. Good luck out there, buddy. 
We got them saved. Now let's just toss them in the deep end and see how they do. And can I say what some of you cynical church folks have done? When they struggle to swim, you're like, well, I don't really know if they knew the Lord or not. Can I tell you what we ought to be doing, what discipleship is, friends, is jumping in the pool and teaching them how to swim. When someone comes to Christ, we need to disciple them. Evangelism without discipleship misses the heart of the Great Commission. We need to walk with one another as we follow Jesus. Teaching each other how to grow and know Jesus in a real way. The call of Jesus is not to make converts. The call of Jesus is not to make Christians, to make baptism numbers go up. The call of Jesus is to make disciples. When someone is saved, we should walk with them so that they know what Jesus teaches and that they know they are part of this great commission. And some of you think, you know, I've been saying this for years, but the pastor's never done it. Oh, I've been going to church and I see that happen and I just think, why doesn't our church have a discipleship program? Can I tell you, we do have one. It's called the Great Commission. And you were enlisted in it the day you gave your life to Christ. And you're waiting on your pastor to come force you into having to disciple somebody. We want to teach people to observe everything that the Lord has commanded us. One Again, if I can just press on this again, and I know this, this hurts to think about, but you need to think about it, brothers and sisters. One reason we don't disciple is because, again, many of us are not walking as disciples. You can't take somewhere, someone somewhere you've never been. You don't have a deep abiding relationship with the Lord, so how can you take someone into that if you don't? When someone is saved, we need to walk with them and teach them what it means to follow Jesus and then that they're called to make disciples too. The way we say this is we want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is, by the way, Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 is Jesus' plan for reaching the entire world. It's not a church program. It's not a new special thing. It's you, Christ follower, being a radical disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples and when that multiplication takes effect the entire world is reached for Christ so how do we do discipleship here at Crossroad well I would just say on many levels much of what we do is discipleship this message right now friends is discipleship it's helping you learn and grow our bible studies and our life groups those are wonderful starting points learning and growing together as we study god's word and doing life together that is discipleship but also there's a movement in our church right now of intentional discipleship that i believe will be the heartbeat of our church in 10 years We've got about 10 men who have been through an intense and intentional discipleship process who are going to be continuing to make disciples. We've got a group of women who right now are meeting and going through discipleship and they are going to then be making other disciples. And I believe that in a decade, one of the first questions that you will be asked if you're an active member of Crossroad Church is going to be, who are you discipling right now? Because the multiplication is going to happen. In 10 years, we're going to have so many people that have been through this process of intentionally walking with it. And listen, it's not a program. Like some of you are like, well, how do I get involved with it? I wish it was that easy. I wish I could be like, starting Tuesday nights, we're doing discipleship. But that's a program. This is intentionally investing your life in other people in such a way that it can be replicated in others. 
And I believe that the Lord is going to do an incredible work in our church as God's people start taking this Great Commission seriously. No fog machines, no fancy programs, just God's people motivated by the Great Commandment to love God and love people in such a way that they work to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples. This is the mission, not of Rusty, Again, did, did you see, like, did I say, hey guys, new mission statement. No, I'm reading the Bible. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was go and make disciples. This is Jesus' heartbeat for the church. But I want to share two quick truths for you before we go. Don't panic, these are going to be very quick. I know I've said that before, but I promise. This time it's different. If you're trying to take notes, let me just catch you up so far. So we've talked about the Great Commission, and the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. How do we make disciples? Through evangelism and through discipleship. Now I just want to give you two quick encouragements, because I know some of you are thinking right now, wow, Rusty, big miss on your part. This message should have been preached back in June, because in June, I had time. Like, you know, that was when I really could go. I could actually do something, but here we are now. School's starting. I've got band. I've got football. I've got school. I've got all these other things. Work is getting crazy now. I can't go now, so why are you preaching this message right now? Here's why I'm doing this. You need to understand this call to go and make disciples has been so hijacked and attacked to mission trips and events and mobilizing people to do a big cool day and and listen yes and amen we should do those things and there is a call to go but can I tell you that in the Greek language this word go is a tense that indicates continuing action so a literal translation would say this as you are going make disciples of all nations so as you are going to school as you are going to work, as you are going to football practice, as you are going to your neighborhood gatherings, as you are going to life group, as you go through your life day in and day out, this is to be the call of your life. Can I tell you, friends, the Great Commission is not an event. The Great Commission is a lifestyle. Every part of your life ought to be wrapped around this call As you go, make disciples. Be bold. Speak for Jesus. Talk about what he's doing in your life. Live as salt and light. And when God gives you the opportunity, evangelize. Talk about Jesus. Then when people get saved, they pour into them. Say, okay, well, I'm going to walk with you now. Let's read the Bible together. Let's have a plan. Let's actually grow as disciples. Teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Finally, I'm going to close with the last line of this passage. If you're overwhelmed by this call, and I can tell by your reaction, some of you are. And I know I've been a little much today, but I didn't get to preach last week, so just bear with me. It's the pin-up preacher. I'm coming. But if you're overwhelmed by this, can I just give you the promise of Jesus? He said this, and behold, he said, look, some of you know maybe some of them were starting to get wide-eyed and jesus says look the word behold literally in our modern day would be like look at me and he said i am with you always to the end of the age friends can i tell you as we launch you out into the pockets of influence that you have in our city we're not sending you on your own jesus is going with you 
the same Jesus that radically changed your life and wants to radically change your day in, day out, moment by moment life is going with you. And that same Jesus can radically save and transform the people you encounter. If you would just simply today say, I want to live my life on mission for him. So it's launch Sunday. Wherever you're going, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Did you get to throw some paper airplanes this morning? See, all y'all thought that was for the kids. There you go. We got one flying from the back right now. It didn't go very far, Ramona. Sorry. She, she, oh, we got another one. All right. So they're, they're going. All right. Be careful. Everyone cover your eyes. Come on, guys. I don't want any injuries here. But I was thinking out there as I'm watching the kids throw them, man, some of them were like, they were literally, I'm telling you, like uh, William over here, he was throwing darts. It was awesome. And then you had Wayne. Where's Wayne? There he is. Wayne's just kind of went like, boom, right there, right? But here's the thing about the paper airplane throwing. And I got to tell you, our staff, we were working on it, trying to think of how cool this would be, and none of us are going to win any contest. I'm just going to say that right now. But can I tell you, we have, just like those paper airplanes, if you watch out there, some go this way, some go that way, some go this way. Some even went backwards, where I'm not even sure how that happened, right? Some went straight. Like all over our city, can I tell you, just like paper airplanes in the lobby, we are sending you out and launching you into the world so that you can make a difference for Jesus. So my prayer for you today is that you would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Y'all pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for, God, really just a day to kind of reset and remind ourselves of your mission and your heart and your call for us. God, we don't want to just go through life doing our own thing. Lord, we want to be about your mission, not our own. So I I pray, God, that you would just help this to, to take root in our hearts. And God, I pray that as we wrestle through this, even beyond this morning, God, that you would just show us ways to evangelize and to disciple one another. Lord, we don't want to be found living for anything other than your call for us. So help us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, I want to just ask you and invite you to stand in an attitude of prayer and worship. We're going to sing a song of response. I want to just invite you to respond to the Lord now. Maybe some of you during this song, you just need to take some time to pray silently yourself and just say, Lord, help me be about your commission. Uh, Perhaps you would want to come kneel at the altar and just say, Lord, I'm all in. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. If you need to pray with someone, I'll be sitting right up here on the front row. I'll be glad to pray with you if you need that. Whatever you do, let's respond as the Lord leads you.